You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to try a free trial, go to the website builtforthestage.com or click the link in the description of this episode and you can work for seven days with your own Broadway fitness coach on an online app. So check it out. No catch, no gimmicks. Builtforthestage.com. If you like Built for the Stage podcast, please rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. It'd be greatly appreciated. All right, please enjoy this conversation. All right, we have Alana Saunders here, Built for the Stage podcast. Thanks for coming in to meet me, Alana. Appreciate yes, of course. It. Yeah, so for those of you that have checked out some of the content I've posted, talking about the episode coming out, or if you're a fan of Alana's, you know that she's a pretty young lady here, but she's been at this for a while. You've been doing musicals and such since four years old, right? Yep, four years was my first show that I ever did. Okay, so you're no stranger to the game. No. Um, you graduated from the University of Miami in 2014. Yeah. But then soon after that, you booked Tiger Lily excuse me, in the NBC Live version of Peter Pan. Yeah. How'd you do that? Um, I actually, <laughs> so I graduated um, in May, and then I did two summer stock shows in Connecticut, and then I moved to New York at the very end of July, um, and I saw the announcement that they were doing Peter Pan Live, and they were looking for actual descendants of Native Americans, and my family mm. and I have always known that that's the case, um, and so I went to my agents, so I was like, can you get me an audition for this? And they're like, actually, we can't. Mm. You have to go to the open call. So I went to the open call two weeks later, two weeks after I had moved, and it was the first audition that I did in the city, and um, that whole audition process was a month and a half, but it was one of the craziest things to go into a space yeah, an open call and to get that far and there's cameras everywhere watching you do everything, yeah. watching you stretch and warm up and asking people questions. and mm -hmm. They couldn't see you because they wouldn't see you or they just weren't seeing anyone. It's just they, like you had to come to the open call. Yeah, they, did, they weren't doing um, any auditions by appointments. Mm -hmm. So you had to do the process through the open call. So you had to submit your headshot and resume and then they would send you back a slot time where you would be with a bunch of other people. And they told you then at that point that you had three different songs to choose from. I got a crow, I'm flying, or I won't grow up. Mm -hmm. And you chose? 
all three? No, I, I mean, I knew all three. I'd done, this was, a, this was the second time I'd done the show. Um, what did I do? I think I did on flying. But I gave them the option, I think. A lot must have. A lot must a have, lot have has gone on. A lot since has then. gone on. Yeah, <laughs> that was casually four and a half years ago. Yeah, right, right. and that's where I met James Brown the third. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he did the production as well, or um, know? there was well, there's no production. He yeah, he was in the, the in the live show as sure, well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how was that in comparison to, you know, it was, it's a recording. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but. You still are trying to like keep the same feel of a stage production a little bit. How was that kind of juggling the two? Um, well, it was interesting because for most most live performances, you have an audience, um, which is a huge part of live theater. Um, it, you know, feeding off of energy, feeding off what the audience is giving you, feeding off of applause, um, and none of that was there. And yet there was this knowledge that millions of people were watching. So it was this mm -hmm. kind of mind... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really crazy. Because also, you know, I, I would talk about this during the process, but it was, you know, most shows you have a run and then you get to play and you get to, the show grows, and but it's you have one shot yeah. for a live show. Yeah. It's fascinating emotionally, <laughs> especially as a 22-year-old right, at exactly. the time. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at was like, wow, you just... You hit it right off the bat right there. Yeah. Um, had you had a lot of film experience before then? No. Okay. Not really at all. Besides like student films in school. When you rehearsed, did they stress one way or the other that, hey, we want to play this as though you're on stage or we want to play this like a, a film? They didn't really talk about the cameras much. Um, Allison, when she would work, uh, she would ask a lot about wh which which camera are we on here. Like she was someone that was very aware of which camera was filming her and like what angle she was at. Yeah. But we pretty much rehearsed the show like we were doing a production. Yeah. Um, there was no, there was not really any discussion about the fact that there was going to be cameras and then the cameras were there and I had no idea what it was going to look like if I'm honest. We didn't get to see it ahead of time and so watching it for the first time I'm like, oh, that's what you're doing. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, so they never said like, hey, tone it down, this is going to be on camera, don't be so theatrical. Mm -mm. This is kind of, oh wow, very organic. Did you get any time to spend around like Christian Borle, Christopher Walken, oh, yes. Kelly O'Hara? Yes. Okay, so for the listeners out there, yeah. is there anything you can share with the audience like about, does Christopher Walken like gargle Diet Dr. Pepper before <laughs> going on stage? Does Kelly O'Hara like warm up to Genie in a Bottle before the show? Like, um, any little thing like that, like, hey, you would never think it, but... Uh, Kelly O'Hara always is wearing heels or wedges, mostly wedges, um, because she believes that she has really short legs and so she likes to always be in a heel. I can appreciate that as a short person myself. Uh -huh. um, she was also... She is the loveliest human. She was, I would say that she was the mother of the cast, always taking care of everyone and um, exactly probably as you would think that she is. She is that beautiful human. Um, Christian Borel never really, I mean, he's an absolute professional, but at the same time, he never takes anything seriously. Okay. He's al always making me laugh. <laughs> he was an incredible person to have around for sure. Um, Christopher Walken mostly kept to himself. Uh, he would sit um, in his chair and go over his lines and 
was lovely when you talked to him, but you know, at, now he must be 75, 76 at Focus. this point. He's, well, he just, you know, he's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Giving excess energy wasn't, yes, exactly. you know, like that's, mm -hmm. that's a lot. There, there is no, oh, we're doing a, it's like, all right, you know, here I am. I'm going to obviously give my all and do Absolutely. art and work. But at the same time, it's just like, next, like, let's, right. here, here we go. Let's but do it's, it. it's not like he was necessarily closed off, exactly. you know, it, yeah. approaching him wasn't hard. Other than the yeah. fact that it was Christopher Walken, you know, like that's, Chris Walken sitting there. Yeah, he's a little bit more relaxed yeah. as a seasoned vet, probably. Yeah, for sure. On set. How about like growing up, you've played saxophone, mm -hmm. piano, bass, clarinet. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how did you have time to learn all that? Is it kind of natural? Um, uh, tell uh, me about growing up and being so musical. Well, my family, I'm one of five. Um, four of us are here in the city doing musical theater and acting, all of the things. Um, but we all started playing instruments when we were three or four. My parents met through music. Um, neither of them majored in it, but it's been a huge, huge part of their life. My mom started accompanying when she was 10 years old um, and still plays piano. She consistently, it's her, her stress relief. And I was already playing tenor and I, it was mostly for fun in bands. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll switch to bass clarinet. So I learned bass clarinet, which is funny because that's, huh. I toured with that in Into the Woods. Um, I ended up playing bass clarinet for, you know, eight, nine months on tour. Which was, Just in the works, Joe. Well, so, um, Into the Woods, they did it at Roundabout, um, Fiasco Theater's production of that. Um, and so they did, 11 people on stage and there was no pit so everyone played instruments um, and everyone played multiple roles and I was a swing on that so I covered Cinderella slash granny and in that track I played um, auxiliary percussion piano uh, a little bit of so like cymbals and woodblock and um, auto harp and I think that was the main those main things and then there was the little red slash uh, Rapunzel track and in that track I played guitar and trumpet this track was ridiculous I had learned way too many instruments guitar trumpet that was also auxiliary percussion in that one um, and then the main instrument track was my Jack's mother slash stepmother track that I covered and that normal um, woman she played bis bassoon but that's a very specific thing and so they were looking for anyone who would had any low um, woodwind and I play bass clarinet so in that track rather than playing bassoon my track was bass clarinet and then so that was the main part of that track and she played the most out of anyone um, besides the cellist track. Um, How long yeah. did it take you to learn all those new instruments? <sighs> well the trumpet was the hardest because that brass is completely different from woodwind the embouchure is not natural at all and the fact that it's only three buttons to do all of the notes rather than with you know any woodwind instrument it's button based yeah button based that's an official term i, I got you <laughs> i played the trumpet for one year in uh fifth grade oh so. god yeah no it's horrible <laughs> it's i i mean you have to do that dun, 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 dun. Mm, yeah 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 that are you a musical prodigy no. Would you consider yourself that? Uh-uh. Mm -mm. You just were. You just spit out like I don't know, twenty-four instruments. That's you said you dramatic. just played. He's dramatic. He's being dramatic. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm definitely not a musical prodigy. I, my brother might be. Um, mm. I don't know. I, 
I can do a lot. I'm not spectacular at any of them, but I'm relatively proficient. Yeah, relatively. Sounds yeah. like it. Pretty good. You get by, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you, so you mentioned your family a few times. You, got, you have kind of a performing dynasty with your family. We do. Just, Something like that. Yeah. So I was just... Just was popping up as I was uh, looking into you. I saw your sister made an appearance in The Good Cop. Yes, just, she did. I just binge watched that. Oh, did you see series. her face? I don't know. I'll have to she, go back now that I know. She was in the hotel. Mm. She was the, at the front desk. Um, the one I, when they're at the ski lodge. Oh, I don't know. I didn't I'll have watch to look. all of it. I'm, I, I'm, I kind of geek out about Tony Danza from Who's the Boss. So okay. I saw that. I was like, oh my gosh. But yeah, you guys, you, did you push one another growing up? in a good way like were you you guys fed off each other's just abilities uh yeah very gifted family yeah it, it kind of it was more it was definitely more of a support thing we all kind of found interest in it it wasn't none of it was like oh he's doing that so i'm going to do this or it was just we all had a love for it and yeah. we all sang together and we tried at one point to be a, a family group where mm. we all played instruments and played our own music and oh, okay. yeah no we don't that, that's that's under the rug you, you don't it. want to talk about that? yeah no <laughs> we you know we produced an album for my senior project okay. in high school um all written by my brother Heath, who's our, who I would say would be the prodigy out of any of us, but he's just also a genius. So, um, yeah, no, we, it was mostly support and a love for it, a mutual love that caused us to continue through the years. Yeah. Yeah, I followed my two brothers to University of Miami. Oh, they were there prior? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're, yeah, you're from... Seattle. Seattle, Washington. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's, wow, corner to corner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much as far as you can get, yeah. I guess. Um, and then I didn't want to go to a, just a conservatory because I wasn't sure that I wanted to do musical theater. Um, in my mind, I was like, there's got to be a doctor in the family. So I wanted uh. to take pre-med courses while I was doing musical theater, but I also couldn't decide to be a doctor. But so I went with what I loved to do and also where the sun was and where my family was. And the sun was. You didn't want to be in the WNBA instead? Listen, I... I did I when I was a let's see junior in high school I had to decide between basketball and uh, musical theater. I saw that I had an I had a similar past as far as that goes like choosing. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw that so yeah okay so junior year you had to choose. Yeah I I had been playing basketball since I was in first grade which would have been seven years old mm -hmm. maybe my sister and I played all year round every year. Yeah? Yeah. Do you ever, like, I don't know, go down to Brooklyn and go on the courts and ask the guys if you can run with them? If you could be like, yo, can I be on your, uh, your squad? Um, I never did, but that's because <laughs> pickup games stress me out mm. because I feel like in the same way that, like, karaoke stresses me out, where it is... I, I really struggle with karaoke because it's this thing that I do pr professionally and it's this, like with basketball, it's something that I take really seriously and so I feel a lot of pressure to be good and a lot of pressure, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I can't have ease about it. I think now that I've gotten older, that's definitely easier. Yeah. But, um, and I actually have played a couple of times in the last couple of years, um, pickup games. Yeah. And But I like karaoke pickup was... It's very stressful to me. 
Right. I'm like, give me a jersey, give me a referee, and then I'm in. If you're gonna do this, you're gonna do it. Right. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, besides performing and the, the family side of it, growing up, you mentioned that you like cooking. Yeah. And I was wondering what like your favorite dish to cook was. Um. There's not really anything favorite. I think the thing that I've discovered most recently is probably um, sausage stuffed acorn squash, which which mm. it has like I put like mushrooms and kale and sweet and spicy sausage, and then I, you know, roast a butter. I mean, um, an acorn squash, and and then I put that with. Uh, like tomato sauce and uh, sometimes if I want to I can do like a rice side but generally the this acorn sounds healthy. squash it is really healthy I might like ask you to send me the recipe it's so, I'll it, post it on our, our episode <laughs> for all my clients and <laughs> guest listeners out there y'all hit this up okay see no, that it's really good it doesn't just have to be you know chicken and sweet potatoes no it doesn't <laughs> people are like i want healthy food to taste good and i'm like yes you, it can happen i'm okay. a firm believer in that cool um you like being active as well too. Mm -hmm. so besides playing basketball every once in a while what does that mean to you being active um for me it's about feeling good about myself i like feeling strong i like feeling able um i think so I grew up very active because of being in, bas uh, being in basketball all of those years. But then actually when I was a senior in high school, um, well, I have sev pretty severe scoliosis. Um, and doing ballet and I started lifting weights when I was a senior in high school. Um, and then with that and my scoliosis, I had some back pain, but I didn't really think anything of it. And then right before I went to school, I was like, I'm in a lot of pain. Um, and I went to the doctor and she was like, I don't believe that you are not in an incredible amount of pain. You have stress fractures through um, T11, T12, L1 and L2. So I basically had this hinge point in my back. So I got put in a big old brace for six months and then the six months following that I worked from that brace to another brace and then eventually out of a brace um, and in that time I wasn't allowed to do more than I couldn't do any um, impact um, so anything more than walking and I could do 30 minutes of elliptical a day but with no resistance and no hill um, and I couldn't do anything else I had to have a rolling backpack um, and I never, yeah, Man. yeah, always cute. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, the freshman year of college, walking around University of Miami with a rolly backpack. Right. Um, but during that time, um, before that, I'd never really loved running. I did it. I did track and all of that, but I never loved running. But being in a brace and doing that, all I wanted to do was run. Um, Break free. Yeah. And so then when I got out of my brace, I started running. I started, I would never really after that took advantage of being active. Um, and that kind of kick-started my fitness journey um, and what it meant to be strong and what it meant to be able. Um, and I knew that I had to keep my core strong in order to protect my back and keep my back flexible, keeping everything in shape so that way I didn't injure myself. I actually, everything starts to hurt more when I don't work out. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, 
I also, my mental state goes when I'm not working out, you know, like I start to, even though nothing actually physically changes, but like I start not feeling good about myself. I don't really know who I am in the world, you know, yeah. working out like gives me this sense of core and um, energy to move through the world. Uh, and that's kind of what fitness is for me. It was just President's Day and I had the first half of the day off and I was like, oh, amazing. So usually I, I get up at five, mm -hmm. I get my workout in, whatever. I didn't do that. I was a lunatic the first half of the day. Anxiety, depression, yeah. <laughs> all of it. I was like, I have to get to the gym right now. Yeah. It sounds like a, a problem, but, but truly, like, we're meant to move. Yeah. We're not meant to be sedentary and just... So, okay, let's go back to this. Um, first question, I'll just phrase them together. First question is, what did you learn? Because it had to have been hard to, like, be ready to go to college it's your freshman year, you want to, you know, attack your dreams and goals, and then all of a sudden you have this brace and kind of holding you back, and then you said it kind of launched your fitness journey, so, you know, what did you learn, and then where are you now as far as that journey, how, how has that been? Um, what did I learn? Well, freshman year and into sophomore year were really really hard I mean I think going to college is really important and you know for vast majority of us very very difficult it's this uh, all of a sudden this independence that we gain but not actually independence because a lot of people are still relatively financially dependent anyway mm -hmm. um, I was in a long-distance relationship at the time as well so all of there were a lot of things that were stifling um, and I, I didn't really know any different for college. It was weird because, you know, it's not like I was in college and then I had to be put in this brace. I went to college in a brace. And it was already and, on. Okay. Right. I, um, I mean, actually, it was within, like, the first two weeks of being there that I had to get the brace on. Um, but, yeah, so it was just kind of the way of it. The hardest thing was actually having to go to dance classes and um, not being able to dance. I literally had to get the credit I had to be there um, so I a lot of times would sit and look at the wall because watching other people get to do all the things was uh, really really hard um, and I had to find but it was actually useful having the brace because I actually couldn't overeat that most people do freshman year of college <laughs> yeah. I you know it, it kept my stomach small because it, it was really tight um, so that was a blessing in disguise, I guess, in that in that capacity. Uh, and I learned... Probably made you hungry, talking about food, but in another <laughs> sense, uh, in a, just a theoretical sense, once you got out of the brace, that appreciation for all the classes you had to watch and all the things you had to kind of sit out on probably made you hungrier to, like, get after it. Yeah, no, I, it definitely, as I, you know mentioned before it, it made it it jump-started my fitness journey I, I never I've never since then taken what I can do physically for granted um, I enjoy pushing my body I enjoy feeling strong and over the years I've only gotten stronger um, and I you know I came to the city and I started doing CrossFit and like that was a whole new level of strength building and what it means to feel strong and um, what it means to feel jacked and and especially because my body type you know I'm, I'm small but 
I'm more of a stocky build than, you know, slim and slight. And so most, a lot of females, you know, don't really love their arms looking buff. And I'm like, no, I want, I want all the definition. I want all of that because again, feeling and looking strong is, is what makes me feel good. Um, and in terms of my growth point now, I actually even more feel I'm, I'm more into the spiritual side a little bit more. I, I've, I've grown and started to do much more consistent yoga and meditation and journaling and um, what it actually does to me actively mentally rather than just letting it be um, something that keeps my confidence up. It's something that I work towards that, that strength, that acuity of what it means for me. Um, and yeah. If anything, I actually work out harder when I'm doing a show because, I don't know, I know that I can do the show. That part is done. That's like part of walking to work, yeah. you know? So working out on top of that isn't working out on top of that. It's working out and being active, yeah. I guess. Yeah, makes 100% sense. Um, so we this is the first time we're getting to this in the episode, at least, the interview. You're currently in Harry Potter and mm -hmm. the First Child on Broadway, and... You're coming close to a year of it being of it playing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is your Broadway debut. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Congrats. It has been a trying and growing and um, rewarding experience being in this show um, and being on Broadway. You know, it does turn into a job at one point, at some points, um, you know, but that, that, is, that is part of the gig. But as long as you can hold tight to why you do it, you know, it's, it's a pretty incredible thing. Were you a, I've, I've learned this, are, are, were you a potter head, head before yeah. uh, <laughs> entering into the show? Were you kind of psyched about it, or was it like, oh, what's Harry Potter like? Oh no, I was, <laughs> I was uh, definitely a Potter head. I actually had actively not read the script um, before. I knew it was coming to Broadway. I knew it existed, but I knew that it, you know, it's kind of billed as the eighth book. But I was like, no, it's a script. It's, I think that it's really m meant to be seen, which I still hold fast to that idea. Um, and so then when I got my appointment to go in for the show, I was like, I can, I can be in, I can be in Harry, Harry Potter. <laughs> um, and so I, I mean, I just remember the movement call beaming through the entire thing just because we got to act like we were dancing with wands and like that was great. I, my cheeks hurt afterwards because I just couldn't stop smiling. Um, and I still feel that way about this show. It's, I highly recommend it. Um, as an experience, even if you don't know the world, it is an epic theater experience. Yeah, between I've seen videos of uh, promoting the show and the magic mm -hmm. behind it. Uh, I know that it premiered in London. I don't know if you had seen footage or, or whatnot, but while you were rehearsing, even though it had already premiered in London, were there times where you were looking at the script, maybe with your cast, and and you're just in a empty rehearsal studio and you're thinking how is this gonna happen on stage like, yes this is gonna fly this is gonna disappear this is gonna f whatever yeah like, how, well, do you, <laughs> I had, how was that process there were so many things that because the the original seven um so harry hermione draco ron um Ginny, albus and scorpius who are all from london 
um, and coming over from the London production, um, they all knew the way the show worked, and our, of course our director and production production team did as well. Um, so they would like talk about things and they would act things out, but like we wouldn't. Yeah. I didn't really have any idea. I'm like, oh, we got to tech and things would happen. I'd be like, oh, that's what that was. I had no idea. They, they, I mean, of course, we did have some things in the rehearsal space. They went um, pretty all out with what we had because you need a lot of it to work with. It would be hard to rehearse this show which, without having like the turntable and a lot of the props and yeah. Um, so we did have some of the tech, but... How was it teching the show once you got into the theater? And, and then like previews, were there a lot of uh, show holds for technical difficulty? We was... only held the show once on our final dress rehearsal. Um, besides that... And then there was one show maybe a couple of months ago where there's a sound thing where there's this horrible beeping that wouldn't stop. We had to do a whole scene because we had to wait for stage management to stop us. And it was this, it was like almost like a siren kept going off and off, but it was in the speakers and we all had to just act on stage like nothing was going on. It was one of the weirdest things. And obviously the audience was new, was, I mean, heard what was going on, but yeah. we're pretending that it was, anyway. Yeah. Besides those two things, the show has, gone very smoothly knock on knock something on some wood. So, yeah <laughs> um cool it's a two-part show mm -hmm. which is also on top of the magic very unique to probably what people are used to yeah um back in like the old 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 days i can remember in theater history the plays were eight to ten hours and you could just like go in and out and go get a drink come back the play's still going on but uh now it's just typically two two and a half hours intermission you're in and out how do you think it is for an audience member to you know experience either seeing it matinee and then evening or maybe one day and then the next um how do you think that unfolds have you been able to do that have you been able to watch no i'm actually uh i'm excited i'm actually going to be done on march 17th um and I'm excited at some point to come back and watch and experience what the show is. I really wish that I could have seen it before being in it, um, just because to experience it not knowing how everything works sounds uh, emotionally <laughs> huge, especially, yeah. you know, for someone who enjoys the world as much as I do. Uh, people ask, some people ask, like, so should I see part one or part two? And I'm like, no, it's, it's one show. It, everything, there's no splitting it up. I mean, you can, but you will not be satisfied by the show. It would be like watching halfway through a movie and just stopping it halfway through, you know, in that, in that capacity. Um, yeah, well, I think that I've gotten away from your original question. It was just how it would be for an audience member to see two parts, kind of like the excitement of you go through the first show and then all of a sudden it ends and uh -huh. it's like, oh, Wait. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, it's definitely, I don't want to go to dinner. I just want to stay here and and see the second half. It's a little bit. That is the effect of our show. Um, it goes by so quickly. It moves really, really fast. Most people are like, I, after six hours, they're like, I want to watch it again. They they want to experience the whole thing again because they want to see things that they missed because it was such. It, everything went by so quickly. Um, it's 
I think that it is a really effective five and a half, six hours because you really don't feel it. Um, uh, most people say, well, people that saw it in one day love that they saw it in one day, and people that saw it in two days love that they saw it in two days. It's, I think it's very much some people like being able to process it and then come back and watch the second part. I probably would be someone that would want it to start probably immediately right on part two, right when part, um, part one ended, but yeah. My last question on Harry Potter is, what's the game with, with the, uh, the broomsticks? It's like Quidditch. Quidditch. So they've made this into like a club sport in some colleges, right? Uh -huh. Where have you ever played an organized game of Quidditch? I have not. <laughs> um, I was in Harry Potter club in high school, but that's about. As See, far okay, you were okay. You kind of underplayed. Like, yes, you were a Potterhead. I was like, all right, how deep of a Potter? Okay, so you were in the Harry Potter club in high yeah, school. Yeah, you know, and, and I just the thing is. Quidditch is played in the air. You're living a dream right now. I, Harry I am, Potter club am, in high school, am, and now you're Harry Potter. I, yeah, you, I, yes, you don't <laughs> like that. I can come back to the fact that I am in the Harry Potter world when I'm on my darkest days about being whatever you know having a rough day or at the fact that i get to be in the wizarding wizarding world and get to be a wizard and get to do magic every day like that that baseline for me is like yeah that's that's incredible and not, not only that but the effect that our show has on people is 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 uh yeah that's that's it cool so cool all right so i like to just end or i'll end the show with this question um fitness and and acting uh it can be successfully pursued with routine with r rituals um i'm a firm believer in if you make it a part of your day if you make it a part of your lifestyle no no different than sleeping eating or brushing your teeth that no matter the circumstance you'll inherently push through what kind of rituals or routines do you set yourself up with throughout your daily basis that kind of keep you on track or maybe attest to the fact of your um, current success and just where you are now? Um, I think um, the first like number one thing that I have to do and that I feel crazy when I don't is journaling every morning. Um, I do morning pages. Have you ever done The Artist Way? I have not. By um, Julia Cameron. It's basically a 12 week kind of self help book, but it's um, about re uh, discovering your creativity. Um, but from that, the thing that I took away from it is morning pages. And that is, I, I wake up and every morning I do basically three pages of stream of consciousness. Um, uh, and what that does is it clears my head and allows, you know, sometimes we wake up from dreams, we, I, sometimes I wake up in a bad mood sometimes, but it kind of sets me um, in a neutral place and allows me to start my day and get out anything that I might have anxiety about, things that happened the previous day, um, that I had that with my coffee, and then I like to do um, generally like 10 to 15 minutes at least, if not longer, of yoga um, to get my, my body and my breath connected. And those are like the two things that I really stand by and help that even if I don't get a workout in that day, if I set myself up in that capacity, it's... Yeah, I like that about the journaling. I'm picturing that that kid's toy where it's like a whiteboard and you're drawing on it and then there's that little lever and you just like go uh -huh. and it erases exactly. the white 
like back to the uh -huh. whiteboard. Yeah. Just write it all out, and, and then it gives you a clean slate. And it's like, all right. Yeah, I. It, it allows me to. I sit by my window. I have the sun on me. You know, like I. That is, and it's quiet. I don't. I try not to talk. I put my phone away from me. Um, starting my day with myself is really important. All right, and that'll do it with Alana Saunders. Thanks to her for being on the podcast, and thanks to you for listening. If you liked it, subscribe, rate it, leave a comment. Once again, if you'd like to try a free trial, just go to the website, BillForTheStage.com, and fill out the contact form, or DM me on Instagram, at BillForTheStage. Okay, guys, it's me, Roscoe, signing off. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.